0: What comes into our minds? So you're probably thinking, oh boy, one sermon after another, after another, after another on coughing up more money. Uh, And we'll get to that eventually. Uh, but, But first, I want us to focus on the broader issues of what it means to have a generous heart and live a generous life. There's more to living a generous life than giving money. That's because there are a lot of other currencies of generosity besides money. Uh, for instance, you know, it's possible to write a check to someone or to an organization, uh, but be emotionally detached from that person or that, that organization. Uh, your, your money is there, but, but your heart is, is not there. No, we are treasure is is not where your heart is in this case Uh, so uh, today um, we're going to talk about a different type of of currency that's associated with generosity and uh, that is the currency of forgiveness so are you generous with regard to your forgiveness of others Do you forgive generously, or are you a bit stingy with the currency of forgiveness? In um, this morning's passage, we see Jesus having a discussion with his disciples about forgiveness. So basically, his message to them is this. Be generous with your currency of forgiveness. So the disciples hear that message. Uh, do they say okay or yes lord Uh, they don't do that instead they they protest Uh, they don't have enough spiritual currency in their minds and they need more so in a way of speaking they're saying uh, forgive everyone who comes to me and and asks for forgiveness um that's, that's, that's going above and beyond the, the call of duty. Uh, that, that calls for more spiritual currency than we have. So we need you to make another deposit into our spiritual currency account. That's why they say, uh, Lord, increase our faith. They're, they're asking him for more spiritual currency because they're convinced uh, they don't have enough. But... What Jesus is saying is basically, no, uh, I'm not going to increase your spiritual currency for two reasons. One, you have enough already. Uh, that's answered by the hy- hyperbole, the story or the saying about, uh, if you say to the mulberry tree, well, or, or first of all, if you have uh, faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to the mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted into the sea. Uh, that, that little hyperbole Jesus told that to essentially communicate the message, no, you have enough spiritual currency already. Just use what you have, and it will be very effective. And then he just keeps on, he doesn't miss a beat, and he goes to the, the, the next thing that he talks about is, is a parable. And in this parable, he's talking about the unworthy servants. And we'll unpack all this later on. But I want to give you the basic message first, and then we'll get into the larger or the deeper message uh, as as we go. But um, Jesus says no for two reasons. You know, first reason, you you have enough already. And the second reason uh, he is saying through the parable is God doesn't owe you anything. He's given you more than you realize already. Uh, you really are not entitled to any more. So he, he wants his disciples to be free of an entitlement mentality. So that's the basic message. Uh, be generous with your spiritual currency, in particular with, with forgiveness. And the um, Lord has already given you all the, the, the currency that, that you need for that, so go do it. So you're dismissed. However, if you want to savor the deeper meaning that is in this passage, in particular with this saying about the mustard seed and the mulberry tree being planted into the sea, and if you're bewildered about that, Or if you never really understood the parable of the unworthy servants, it seems kind of odd to us. It kind of rubs against our grain. If you want to know what that has to do with what Jesus is saying about being generous, stay tuned. We're about to unpack it. So let's get to it. Uh, The first reason that Jesus says, no, I'm not going to give you more spiritual currency. Uh, You have enough already. In verse 6, the Lord said, If you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Uh, There are other passages in Matthew and in Mark where Jesus says, If you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, uh, Move from here to there, and uh, it will move. Now, don't raise your hands. But have you ever been disillusioned by what Jesus says here? Yeah, don't raise your hand, just let it sink in. Um, It might be better to ask, has anyone not been disillusioned by what Jesus is saying here? Uh, It seems to say that, that Jesus is speaking literally, you know, if you have... Faith, like the grain of a mustard seed, you could say to the mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted into the sea, and it would obey you. Um, However, if you do um, a a study of Scripture, for Genesis all the way through to Revelation, you're going to see a lot of miracles. And uh, we, we could tick them off, you know, one by one, and it would take a long time to get through all of the miracles that we find in the Old and the New Testament, wouldn't it? Uh, You know, some of the more spectacular ones, you know, with Jesus feeding the 5,000, you know, all four of the gospel writers include that, so it must have really been something spectacular. And so uh, we we read about that, we read about the healing of lepers and the the raising of the dead. All of these things are really spectacular miracles, but nowhere... In Scripture do we read anything that says where someone said to that mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea. Nowhere in all of Scripture do we see anyone, any of the prophets, any of the disciples, even Jesus. We never see Jesus say to a particular mountain, move from this point to this point over here. So what does all of this tell us? Well, we have um, misunderstandings of this, uh, this saying um, because we, we take it literally, and we're not taking it in its context. In the context here, Jesus is speaking figuratively. Jesus spoke figuratively all the time. In fact, the disciples came to him when he's talking to them and said, Why are you always speaking to us in figures of speech? And there are a lot of reasons why Jesus spoke in in figures of speech, and we won't get into all of those. But suffice it to say that more often than not, we see Jesus speaking in figurative language because there's something about the the figurative language that communicates the message that just straightforward prose cannot do. and So, another reason we have problems with uh, this saying that, that you see up here on the screen is um, um, well, well, we fail to see that it's figurative language and also because we, we take it out of context. Uh, so, you know, the, the way that it's often presented to us is you know, Jesus is talking to his disciples about forgiveness and then all of a sudden he shifts gears and sets up this seminar on how to conduct fantastic, spectacular miracles. And so he does his seminar on uh, miracles, and then he goes to a parable, and we see that, that all of these are detached, but there, there's a context here. And so we're, we're starting here with uh, uh, the, the verse where Jesus is saying, I want you to forgive uh, your brother uh, when he comes to you and and repents no matter how many times he comes. And uh, then he uh, tells about the the mulberry tree and the mustard seed, and and he goes on to to talk about this uh, parable of the unworthy servant. And so we um, need to understand this saying about if you have the faith that's the grain of a mustard seed, you can say to the mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted into the sea. The meaning of that is going to become evident to us as we study it in its content. So here we go. I want to go to verses 3 and 4 where uh, we begin. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he sins or if he repents, uh, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Well what is Jesus saying here? When someone wrongs you, that is when someone sins against you, who do you focus on? Well, you're not focusing on the person who didn't offend you, you're not focusing on yourself. You're focusing on the person who wronged you. person who said something to you, a person who did something to you, it rubbed you the wrong way, you even felt feel not only offended, you feel wounded. You, you've been hurt by that. And so you are focusing your attention on that person who wronged you, who hurt you, who sinned against you. And Jesus says, you need to focus on yourself. Pay attention to yourselves, he said. When someone sins against you, Jesus' words about forgiveness should be bouncing around in your mind. But, but why? Why should we keep Jesus' words about forgiveness fresh in our minds? Why should we watch ourselves? It's because the danger of unforgiveness is so great. I want to show you a verse here in Hebrews uh, twelve fifteen. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. This is essentially what Jesus is saying to his disciples in Luke 17. If someone sins against you, wrongs you in some way, or hurts you with their words or their actions, watch out. A root of bitterness is about to encroach in your heart and take root, so in other words, when someone sins against you you 're going to be tempted to hold a grudge any of you uh, any of you uh, ever read the comic uh, Hagar the horrible ah good so uh you'll you'll get it when uh, we look at this i I know you can 't read all of the dialogue there, and I was looking for. A color version of this Sunday comic, but yeah, this is the best Google could do. So uh, I'll just kind of relate this. I, I remember seeing this sometime in the late 80s or, or the early 90s and you know, just kind of summarize what's going on here. Uh, I, Hagar's son uh, comes to his father and he asks what a grudge is and so Hagar explains by telling his son uh, what you can do with a grudge you know you can carry a grudge you can hold a grudge against someone you can have a grudge match you can even nurse a grudge you see in there with a the bottle you know feeding that uh, little grudge and then his son asks his dad have you ever had a grudge and uh You can look there and you see all these little demonic looking pigs uh, behind the wall. Uh, Those are grudges. And Hagar answers, oh, a few. (laughs) You know, the grudge that looks like a demonic pig in the cartoon is dangerous. It becomes the entry point for bitterness to creep in. So watch yourselves, Jesus says. Then he goes on to say this. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. All right. When When someone sins against you, you should not pretend that it never happened. That is, don't just sweep it under the rug. Um, Act like nothing's wrong. And Jesus says you need to rebuke your brother uh, in, in love. You know, talk to the person who wronged you about what he said or did and hold him accountable for what he said or did. You know, when we see that word rebuke, uh, that, that's a strong word, isn't it? And uh, it, it, it carries, you know, heaviness. It even, it has a sharp edge to it. And so uh, when we think about rebuking someone, it Sounds like you're getting in someone's face and you're shaking your finger at them and and uh, what do you mean by what you said to me the other day why that's the most offensive thing I've heard, and blah 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 and then you need to repent uh, that's really not going to your brother or to your sister in love. Uh, get this in your mind when you think about rebuke it's it's more of holding that person accountable letting letting that person know how much you were hurt by what they said or did and go from there and if the uh the person understands that it's uh, a hurtful thing and that person says "I'm, i'm sorry would you forgive me and jesus says you know you you are obligated to spend your currency you know throughout the scripture, it, because it's hard for us to understand the account of, of uh, you know, the, the weight of sin, uh, it's translated from, you know, spiritual currency into physical or monetary currency so we can understand better. So uh, to say forgive, um, you know, that sounds like, okay, I'll, I'll let you off the hook. And it's sort of like waving your hand, you know, go your way. Uh, everything's good. But what if that person did some damage to you that's going to cost you some monetary currency? Ah, well, now it gets more serious. So, for instance, uh, your neighbor's kids are out throwing the ball around, and uh, one kid misses the ball that's thrown to him, and, and it breaks a, a window in your house. Oh, that's not good. Kids run away? No. Nah. Uh, you know, I see that in cartoons. Um, so um, you have a talk with uh, the kids and their parents there, and um, you decide, well, uh, I'll, I'll just forgive you. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means you're not going to go over and break their window, you know, to get even, which, you know, sometimes people would do. Uh, you know, we, we like that currency, the revenge account. <laughs> we would like to keep that a healthy balance in the revenge account so that when an opportunity comes to spend it, we can be very generous with that, right? Uh, but if, if you forgive your, your neighbor's kid from, um, you know, busting a window in the house, it's more than just waving your hand and saying, you know, go your way. I'm, I'm not going to, you know, break your window out. You're going to have to reach into your pocket and, and pull out some currency and, and, and pay for that. So when you translate forgiveness from spiritual currency into, you know, hard cash currency, kind of resonates with us, doesn't it? So what Jesus is saying is, is look, there, there are going to be opportunities for you to spend your currency uh, on people who, who need to be for, forgiven. And when they come to you, forgive him. Uh, Even if it's, you know, Seven times in a day. Now, is Jesus speaking literally here uh, seven times in a day? Is, is he actually saying that when someone does the same wrong thing to you seven times on the same day and asks forgiveness every time for that wrong that he did to you, that you had to forgive him? Is that really what Jesus is saying? No, that is not what Jesus is saying. What he is saying is a whole lot harder than that. Jesus is not saying there is a limit to how many times you have to forgive your brother when he comes to you and asks for forgiveness the number seven is not a literal number. In the Bible, the number seven is symbolic. It is the, the number of perfection or completeness. So Jesus is speaking in figurative language here. He's saying, no matter how many times someone comes to you, uh, there is no limit to how many times you must forgive that person whatever it costs you. And that's why the disciples, you know, disciples get it if if we're going to have to spend freely of this currency then we're we're going to have to have some more fresh deposits in that account uh because you don't know the people like we do you know we're going to have to be spending this spiritual currency you know hand over fist right and left so uh Jesus is saying, "No, you've got enough already. You don't realize how much you've got. I want you to realize that you don't need a whole lot of faith. If you got faith, the grain of a mustard seed, uh, that's that's good enough." And so um, now I think it's time for us to get to this famous verse. You know, when Jesus says, "Increase our faith." The Lord said, if you had faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. All right, so what does Jesus really mean by this? You know, doesn't Jesus clearly say that if you have faith like a mustard seed, you can command a mulberry tree to be uprooted and planted into the sea? Um, But as we've already said, there's no evidence that anyone ever has, has, has said this and uh, had that kind of result, even the Lord himself. So it's pretty clear to us that this is uh, not a case where Jesus is speaking literally. Uh, he's, he's speaking in hyperbolic language. It's uh, you know, a, a figure of, of speech here. And so uh, when Jesus talks about mustard seed faith, and uh, its ability to uproot mulberry trees. Remember the context. What is he talking about? He's talking about forgiveness, isn't he? He didn't stop talking about forgiveness and say, all right, class on forgiveness is over. Now it's time for the course in uh, sensational miracles and uh, talk about that and then come back to some parable that illustrates forgiveness again. No, these are not disjointed verses. You don't read the Bible and pick out the verses that uh, appeal to you and forget the context in which you you drew it from. So, what does it mean here in the context? And and the context, uh, Well, first of all, let me say something about hyperbole. Uh, you know, hyperbole is a, a figure of speech that involves an exaggeration Uh, of ideas for the sake of of emphasis and we all speak and hyperbole all the time see I I just used hyperbole when I said all the time because we don't do it all the time we do it a lot but not all the time but we say all the time because that adds emphasis here are a few other things Uh, you've probably said things like this surely have heard them I'm so busy, I've got a million things to do today. A million? Really? Or I'm so hungry, I could eat a horse. Really? And I wouldn't eat a horse. (laughs) Well, if I was really hungry, I might eat part of a horse. You know, (laughs) not the whole horse. Or maybe some of you have heard this after you broke something in the house. My dad's going to kill me when he comes home. Uh, he's not really going to kill you. He might make you very uncomfortable for a while, but you know, he will not kill you. Or uh, your mom says to you, I've told you 100,000 times to clean your room. 100,000? Really? Let's make it a gazillion. That makes it more emphatic. Or this last one. This is also hyperbolic language, but, you know, this stupid joke, it's been around forever. Well, not forever. I'm speaking (laughs) hyperbolically. But you get my drift, right? You know, this girl was so dumb, she thought Taco Bell was a Mexican telephone company. You know, (laughs) that's that's hyperbole. We all speak in hyperbolic language, even Jesus. Jesus speaks in hyperbolic and we wonder, you know, why not just be straightforward? Why not just say, when the disciples say, uh, increase our faith, why didn't Jesus say, no, I'm not going to increase your faith for two reasons. One is you have enough faith already, and two, uh, I don't want you to get this entitlement mentality. Uh, God doesn't owe you anything, and move on. Just to say that in straightforward language doesn't have the impact. One of the reasons here Jesus is speaking in hyperbolic language is he, he wants the impact of what he says to resonate with his disciples. And uh, we are among those disciples. Now let's get to uh, what we really want to understand about the mustard seed and the mulberry tree. I did a little research on uh, mulberry trees last week and uh, I discovered uh, something very interesting that uh, you know mulberry trees in, uh, in, in the Middle East, uh, were, were said to have a, a root system uh, that would make them the trees extraordinarily strong. And they say that a mulberry tree uh, could stay rooted for 600 years. And that's not figurative speech. You know, that's literal language. 600 years? You know, to uproot a tree that's been around for hundreds of years? Uh, man, that is... That's going to take, I mean, only God could do something like that. So here's what Jesus is saying. He says, you don't need for him to increase the currency of your forgiveness account. Your forgiveness currency is, even if it's no larger than that of a mustard seed, you have enough. Okay, so is he saying that you have enough currency, even if it's just a little bit, that you have enough spiritual currency to forgive something that's as massive as the root system of a mulberry tree? That you have enough faith in you, even if it's only a little bit, even if you don't really know a whole lot about the Christian life, but you understand the gospel enough to realize how much God poured out through Christ so that you could be forgiven of your debt of sin, that no matter what kind of offense has been committed against you, no matter how deeply someone has hurt you, no matter how serious that sin is against you, even if it's as massive as the root system of a mulberry tree that's been there for 600 years, you have enough faith within you to forgive that root system of wrong done against you see how that opens up your mind as well as your heart to be able to absorb what Jesus is saying spend that currency freely you will be amazed at what it can buy so that's the first thing that Jesus is saying when he says nope I'm not going to give you more faith I'm not going to increase your currency account you got enough already um, taken really a lot of time to go through that. If we were in class, I'd say, anybody got any questions? Uh, but we're not going to do that. But uh, when we get downstairs, uh, we will talk about those questions. But I, I do want to briefly touch on the, 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 the second part of Jesus' answer uh, or, or response to the request, uh, increase our faith, in, increase our spiritual currency. You know, First of all, Jesus says, no, you have enough already. And secondly, he says, uh, no, uh, God doesn't owe you anything. And this is what the parable of the unworthy servant is, is about. Um, I'm editing my notes here as I go down to see what to, uh, to cut out. All right. Let's talk about the parable here for just a moment. Um, there's an imaginary conversation going on between a master and a servant. So he, he wants his disciples to put themselves in the place of the master. So let's do that. Let's assume that we are the master in, in, in the story. Um, so the, the, the servant, you know, has been out working. Um, Actually, in the original language, the word is not servant. The word is slave. In the Hebrew culture, a slave meant something different than what it meant. In the Roman culture, there were a number of ways you might become a slave. In, in the Roman culture, you could be born a slave. You could be purchased as a slave. Uh, you could be uh, you know, uh, spoils of war and uh, you would become a slave that way. Uh, But the most common way that people in the Hebrew culture became slaves was because they were in debt so much that they couldn't repay it. And so they would sell themselves into uh, slavery uh, for a a, a period of time, not to exceed seven years because the Hebrew culture had this thing called jubilee, which we can't get into. But uh, anyway, every seven years... Uh, you know, slaves had to be released. And most of the time, most of the time, when a slave would sell himself into slavery or a person would sell himself into slavery to pay a debt, uh, he would only be a slave for a portion of the time that it would take to repay his debt. So if he works, you know, two, three, four, five, even, you know, the, the seven-year limit, uh, he's still... Massively in debt to his master, and so, with that in mind, when the um, the, the slave or the, the the servant comes in, we'll call him servant. When when he comes into the house, and we see that the. Um, I don't. We see that the master doesn't say, oh, man, you have worked all day. Uh, come on in here and have, have a seat. Let me get you something cold to drink. Here, put your feet upon this uh, ottoman here. Just stretch out, relax for a while. Uh, you've worked for me all day. Here, l- 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 let me serve you. Jesus is saying, uh, you know, to people who li- lived in that culture, that is never going to happen because the, 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 the servant doesn't deserve anything else from the master. He's never going to be able to, the the servant's never going to be able to repay what he owes the master. Uh, So he certainly doesn't deserve more. Let me put it to you in uh, uh, language that we can understand in our culture. Let's say for instance that you take your family to a nice restaurant. And uh, it's uh, your, your favorite place to go. And you go in there and, and, and you sit down and the waitress comes up and she introduces herself to you. And she is uh, you know very polite and, and, and friendly and uh, brings you your drinks and your salad and then uh, you know some bread. And uh, eventually um, you know, your entrees come out and uh, you're about to sit down and eat. And the waitress says... Uh, Mind if I sit down here and join you? And uh, so she sits down and says, I'm I'm really thirsty. Could I have that drink of water? And uh, reaches over and takes her glass of water and looks, you've got coconut shrimp. Oh, that! could I have one of those? Could I have some of that, uh, Alfredo? Um, What would you think? Well, she was a hardworking servant. You know, she was tired. She was hungry. But you didn't know her anything. You know, it was her place to serve you, not your place to serve her. And that's what Jesus is saying in the parable. Remember who you are and remember who God is. You are the servant. He is the master. He does not owe you anything else. He has already more than generously blessed you beyond your ability to comprehend. You know how it is in our culture when you go somewhere uh, to buy something uh, they give you the receipt and then say uh, go to this website, fill out this survey and tell us what a good job we did. I mean you can't go anywhere without someone asking you to tell them what, uh, how, how great a job that they did. So you know, if you buy something on Amazon you know, you're gonna get it, uh, you'll get uh, an e- email message with this survey. You buy a pizza, they send you a message with a survey. If you delete it, they send it again. Uh, it's... Uh, that, isn't that the way it is? So the, the, the parable here is very contemporary. We, we should be able to understand. Look, I, I gave you money in exchange for the product and satisfied with it. Don't make me go beyond that or otherwise I'm not going to be as satisfied. We can kind of understand that, can't we? So let's get to the bottom line here. And telling this parable, what Jesus ultimately is doing is he is pointing to the cross. He's talking about the generous forgiveness that you have received from God. And don't go to God and say, that's not enough. I need more. You had a debt that would have killed you to repay. But God made you his servant instead and said, now serve me. Show me your gratitude through your work for the great debt that I have forgiven you through the death of my son Jesus in your place. That's what the parable is pointing to. One of the things that God wants from us, his servants, is to imitate Jesus in particular in the way that he forgives. Be generous like Jesus. Spend that forgiveness currency, you know, just like that. Lavish it out. Even if you think, I hadn't got that much. Oh, yeah. You've got more than you realize. So, the basic message is be generous with your currency of forgiveness. Spend your forgiveness currency freely because you have freely received of God's forgiveness currency through what Christ did for you on the cross. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you, you first of all, uh, for what we're about to celebrate now as we come around the table, uh, remembering um, the the occasion the Last Supper, uh, where you instituted what uh, we, we know as uh, the Lord's Supper or communion, uh, where you uh, took the bread and associated that with your body and I uh, gave it to uh, your disciples to eat and the, the same way with the cup, uh, pointing out how that represents your blood. And, uh, all of that was required for us to be forgiven. You were magnanimously generous with us and pouring out everything for us and we remember that we're about to celebrate that but in addition to that there are things that you've given us that we didn't really ask for if we only had the grain faith the grain of a mustard seed we could see the treasures that you have placed for us in your word now, we thank you for this particular passage that open us opens up our eyes uh, to be able to see more clearly um, how expensive it is to forgive, but yet to see how lavishly you have poured out your generos- uh, your generosity upon us. Lord, you have spoken to our minds, and we trust that you are also speaking to our hearts. Instill within us a deep appreciation for the forgiveness that you extended us at the great cost that you paid, and may we go and imitate that and do likewise. Through Christ, our Lord, we pray, amen. Amen.